welcome. We are so glad that you're with us today, whether you're at the Smyrna campus. Welcome, guys. I know you've got some people back on campus there. We're so thankful for that. Uh, Antioch campus, we got people back on campus here at the Antioch campus and our online campus. We know a lot of people were not able to come to the campuses today, uh, and we're thankful for those who are still connecting with us online. I want to take a moment to thank our team, our, our staff and volunteers who've been working so hard all during this time to help people stay connected and growing and serving. Uh, they've been investing a lot of time and energy into the online uh, efforts that we've made to have children's services online and, and our services on Sunday and our, our life groups have been meeting all during this time. So many people uh, have continued to be faithful and connecting and growing and serving. So thank all of you for doing such a great job with that. Today is the beginning of a process. We'll still have to watch what's happening with the virus and with the uh, mandates from the mayor's office and the governor's office on what we can do moving forward. But this is the beginning of a process to start bringing things back onto our campuses. And uh, we're gonna take it with great care. I wanna thank everyone that is honoring those requests to social distance and wear a mask and as much, I got to tell you, this has been the hardest thing for me not to hug people this morning uh, and shake hands and hug and all that because that's my nature. That's, that's how I'm wired. That, that charges me up and energizes me. And I'm, I'm, I'm understanding why we can't do it right now, but I sure do miss it. So this is the beginning of a process. We'll get back to those times again uh, over time. And I want to thank everybody that's like me that's been willing to pull back a little bit and observe those things uh, that we need to do in the meantime. For some of you that are introverts, you have loved this time. And, uh, you know, somebody, I saw posted a meme that said, you don't know how introverted you are till you have a quarantine and your life doesn't change at all. So, uh, obviously, uh, we are thankful uh, that we can start this process today. Uh, we are in a series that uh, I started planning for as soon as this whole thing hit. And it's called navigating the new normal. Now, the new normal is a term that a lot of people hate, so I hesitated to use that term, but it's true that things are different. Uh, things this morning, even though we're back on campus, things are different. And, and so we have to learn how to navigate all the things that have changed. But one of the things we've learned as I began this series is this, as far as Christ followers are concerned, some of those physical things need to change like, you know, social distancing and all that, but the rest of our lives shouldn't have changed. And by that, I mean, we should have been doing these things all along. And the quarantine and the stay at home, you know, all of that stuff, the social distancing, it has just really amplified the fact that we should have been doing all of these things all along. We should not have had to wait until something like this happens to wake us up and get us to start doing these things. So far in this series, we've talked about how we need to be praying with thanksgiving. Well, should we have been doing that before the pandemic? Absolutely. And then we looked at how we need to uh, focus on the positive. Should we have been doing that already? Absolutely. And then we talked about how we need to make sure we identify with Christ the way we should. Shouldn't we have all done that? already. So those things really haven't changed. And today we're going to look at another thing that we need to focus on that 
really helps us understand how God wants to use this time. And that is, we need to learn to understand God's purpose in everything that happens in this world. Here's what I know about me, about human nature. You can endure a lot of pain or discomfort if you understand the greater purpose behind it, even a pandemic. Yeah, you can adapt better and still have peace and joy no matter what's going on if you understand God has a plan and a purpose even in those hard things and those bad things that are going on in the world. So today I want us to focus on two primary reasons God allows trials and then, and then one final point that I want to finish with. The first reason is he allows trials to help us develop maturity, to help us develop maturity. We are going through the book of Philippians. So if you've got your Bibles or your smartphone or tablet, you want to pull this up. We're in Philippians 2, beginning with verse 12 today. And I want to start with this idea that God wants to use this time to develop maturity in the lives of his followers. Verse 12, he says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I want to clarify a couple of things in that passage. First, Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, you know, while I'm with you, you usually behave well. You usually do what you're supposed to be doing. But where is Paul now? He's removed from them. He's in Rome. He's, he's locked up to a prison guard, right? He's chained to a guard 24-7. He can't be physically with them. So he says, you know how you obeyed when I was with you? That's how you need to obey when I'm not with you. You need to still be obeying anyway. Uh, and in this time where we couldn't see each other physically, be in each other's presence as much as a church family, if we obey when we're together, what should we be doing when we're not together? We should still be obeying, shouldn't we? We should still be following through with all the steps that God has called us to take and how to live our lives. But then he says something that has confused some people, the way it's translated. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And some people mistakenly take that to mean that your salvation depends on your works that you need to be doing during this time. And that's not what this passage says. What this passage says is continue to work out. That phrase in the original language means continue to bring it, bring your salvation to its intended purpose. In other words, continue to live out your salvation the way God purposed for you to live it out. He saved you for a reason, for a purpose. There are things now he wants you to do as Christ followers, and you need to continue working that out in your life. If we had to work for our salvation, we'd all be lost forever. None of us could get it right all the time. That's not what this is about. It's about as a result of being saved, let's live out the purpose of our salvation. He says to do so with fear and trembling, and that means with an awesome respect for God, that God did so much for us to save us. Our natural response should be, God, please, I want to honor your plan and your purpose for my salvation. I don't want what Christ did on the cross to be to be wasted in any way in my life. I want to live it out the way I should. Continue to live it out continuously. So he says, to do that with fear and trembling, and then he adds this, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according, in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God 
is working in you. Was he working in you before the pandemic hit? Yes. Is he working in his people during this time of the pandemic? That's his plan. That's his purpose. He wants to be working in us and through us, through the church, through his people during this time, just like he was supposed to be working through us, wanting to work through us before the pandemic hit. I love what James reminds us of in James 1, verse 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, here's the goal, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here's what he's saying happens during the times of trials. You either get better or you get bitter. You either let God use you in this time for better, higher purposes and callings, or you get resentful and angry and bitter and critical. And as Christ followers, he says, I want you to get better during this time, not bitter. I want to use you during this time for my purposes. I, don't want, I want you to grow up and mature during this time. I've seen a lot of immaturity on the part of Christ followers during this whole thing. A lot of panic and complaining and accusations being made and hate speech being made and stuff like that toward the government or people in government on both sides, whatever, how you feel about the pandemic or how people are, are making decisions or whatever decisions are made. On both sides, I've seen Christ followers be very hateful and immature during this time. And I'm sure it saddens the father to see that. Instead, what he wants to see is that we're willing to be matured during this time, that we'll grow up and be a better example to people during this time. He wants to use this for his purposes. So Hebrews 12, he says this about enduring hardships. He says, endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now, back when he said that, fathers discipline their children. I'm not so sure, and I know some fathers still do today, but not obviously not all fathers are doing this like they need to. But he says that, that's what God planned, is for fathers to discipline their children, right? So, he says, if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, he says, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can you relate to that one? I used to think it was crazy when my father would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you, right before the spanking, right? I thought, no way, this hurts me a lot more than it hurts you. But then I became a father, and I had to try to discipline my children, and I understood what he, say, what he was saying. And our father disciplines us for our own good, and no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, he says, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want to summarize point one with these words, toughen up, buttercup. That's deep theological stuff there, guys. We need to stop our whining, complaining, and be the example to the world that God has called us to be. We need to mature. We need to grow up and be the people setting the example for the rest of the world that God's church should have been setting all along. We should have been doing this already. 
but certainly now we need to do it. And here's why. That's point two is, is to enhance our testimony if we do this. God wants to use this time to enhance our testimony. Let's pick up with verse 14. Listen carefully, everyone. Do everything. What things? Everything without, oh, man, grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Even during a pandemic, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do everything without grumbling or complaining. Uh, he's not saying it's easy, but he's saying there's a reason behind it. It's so that you can be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in the middle of a warped and crooked generation. Our generation is as warped and crooked as the one Paul was writing about. No doubt about it. In fact, it, it's always been that way. We think things have progressively gotten worse. No, they haven't. Maybe in the U.S. you think that, but around the world, this kind of stuff has always been going on the whole time since Christ. This is not new. It's a warped and crooked generation. So what does God say we need in the middle of a warped and crooked generation? We need followers of Christ who will be a better example than that, who will shine like stars in the middle of that. We can't shine like stars if we're going around grumbling and complaining about everything and arguing over stuff. Even among Christians, people are arguing about mask or no mask, distance or no distance, you know, go here or go there or not. People, friends, that's not what God wants for his people. That's not the example he wants us to be setting. He wants us to shine like stars in the middle of this. We've got a fantastic opportunity to stand out during this time as people who still have great love and compassion and a, and a great positive approach to what we're doing as Christ followers. I uh, was thinking about how we've become such complainers in our country. It's amazing how in America, as blessed as we are, we have become a nation of complainers. We really have, not just Christians, but everybody overall. We, we've become a nation of complainers. I, I, I searched this and found it. I had seen it before. Complaints to travel agencies who had booked through them to go on a trip. Okay, here are the complaints they received. One, on my holiday to India, I was disgusted to find that almost every restaurant served curry. I don't like spicy food at all. Here's another one. We booked an excursion to a water park, but no one told us we had to bring our own swimsuits and towels. Third one. We had to line up outside to catch the boat, and there was no air conditioning. <laughs> this is my favorite. Four. The beach was too sandy. Actual complaints. These were actual complaints they had turned in to the travel agency. Number five, we bought Ray-Ban sunglasses for $5 from a street vendor only to find out they were fake. <gasps> Here's one. No one told us there would be fish in the ocean. The children were startled. <laughs> Number seven, the brochure said fully equipped kitchen, but there was no egg slicer in our rental. Number eight, we went on holiday to Spain. There are too many Spanish people. The receptionist speaks Spanish. The food is Spanish. Too many foreigners there. 
Number nine. This is for somebody from England sent this one in. It took us nine hours to fly home from Jamaica to England. It only took the Americans three hours to get home. That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Number 10, I compared the size of our one-bedroom apartment to our friend's three-bedroom apartment, and ours was significantly smaller. Yeah, <laughs> one-bedroom to three-bedrooms, I think it should be. We have become a nation of complainers. I wanted you to see a connection. You see, all of, all of the scripture is connected. All, all verses are connected to all the other verses. And this letter to the Philippian church is connected to other letters that Paul wrote. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about their generosity and how they had not followed through on something they had said they were going to do with taking up collections to help out others that were struggling. And when Paul spoke to them about it, wrote to them about it, he used the example of the churches in Macedonia. Now, what you may not catch if you read these two things separately is Philippi is in the province of Macedonia. So the letter of the Philippian letter is written to one of those churches in Macedonia that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's what he says about the churches of Macedonia. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, which would include Philippi. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then to us and then by the will of God also to us. Listen to this description. They're in the middle of a severe trial they're in extreme poverty, but it says they had overflowing joy and rich generosity. You see, that's how you shine like stars in the universe. That's how you impact a world going through something hard like a pandemic or racial tensions or whatever else it is that the world is struggling with. Is Christ followers stand out as still having overflowing joy and rich generosity during that time. Now, I want to take a moment to thank a lot of people that have continued to faithfully support Lakeshore Christian Church financially, even while we haven't been able to meet together in our buildings. They've mailed in offerings. They've dropped them by the office. They have given online, and they have faithfully continued to support, and it has allowed us to continue all of our ministries without cutting anything back. That's how you shine like stars in the middle of trials and struggles is you don't pull back. You step up and do more with a better attitude. So he says they, on their own, they pleaded for the opportunity to do that. And then in the next chapter in 2 Corinthians 9, he says to the Corinthian church, if they would do this, the service you perform would not only be supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also be overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What we should want as Christ followers at Lakeshore 
is that the world will be thanking God for, for the Christ followers that make up this church family because we stepped up during this time. And we continue to be positive and encouraging and serving and being generous and carrying out the work of Christ during this time. The world needs this desperately. And the church, the followers of Christ, are the people God planned and purposed to use during this time. So I want to close with this. Two essential ingredients for an effective testimony. Two key things to an effective testimony. Uh, the first one we've already talked about. It's faithful obedience. Remember, let's look at it again. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. He says, if you'll do that, you keep serving and doing it in the right way, then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then you'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not, then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So he said, Paul said, I'm going to keep pouring myself out like a drink offering in service to God, in service to you. And I want you to do that as followers of Christ, he says. I want you to do that so that your testimony will be stronger than ever. I'm convinced that God has allowed this pandemic. I don't know if he caused it. He could have. He's done that before, but he certainly knew about it. He's certainly allowing it to happen. I'm convinced God's got a plan and a purpose for this time. It's so that the church will rise up and shine like stars and be brighter in our witness than we've ever been. But in order to do that, we have to continue to faithfully obey God's call on our lives. We don't shine like stars when we're not being obedient, when we're not staying faithful, when we're not connecting and growing and serving like we need to, then we don't shine like stars. But if we can do that, if we can practice that consistently, that obedient walk with Christ, then we can have a powerful testimony. So it begins with faithful obedience, but along with faithful obedience, we need to be doing it with a pleasant spirit, with a pleasant spirit. He says, I, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, Paul said. Did you hear that description of their attitude, of their spirit? Gladness, rejoicing. That's their spirit during this time. Paul says, I've got that spirit with you. You have it and I have it along with you, alongside you. We are being obedient and we're doing it with a pleasant spirit. And Paul says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, you know what he's saying there? He's saying, even if I'm about to be executed, I'm still going to approach this with gladness and rejoicing. That's how you shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation that's not living at all the way they ought to live. Instead of tearing them down and arguing with each other and with them, we shine like stars by having a great attitude and a great spirit as we serve Christ. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Have you heard of people uh, now, they're using this term, uh, uh, they're using quarantine fatigue or pandemic fatigue that people are feeling right now. Everybody's getting tired and discouraged and depressed. You've probably felt it. I know I have. Here's the thing. 
if we could stay strong in the spirit and have the right pleasant spirit during this time, we can minister to those people that are feeling the pressures and, and the discouragement and the, and the hard things that they're going through right now. We can be the encouragement to them that God put us here to be. You know what? God's using this pandemic to make them more open to that testimony and that witness for us to shine like stars during this time. I want to give you a close with a great example of this from the book of Acts, chapter 16. Paul and Silas had gone to guess what city? Philippi. And guess what happened? Some people were, were brought to Christ. They were baptized into Christ. But then they cast this, this spirit out of this girl that was predicting the future. And they got a crowd riled up against them. And they arrested Paul and Silas. And they flogged them. And they put them in prison. And put them in the inner cell in their feet in stocks. And what kind of spirit did they have in prison? Pick up in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were, here's what they were doing, complaining and grumbling. No, what does it say? They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. The world is listening to the church right now more than it has in a long, long time. What are they hearing from us right now? It says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake and uh, the whole place, uh, it says the, the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. You see how God used this? Because Paul and Silas were shining like stars in the middle of a very bad situation. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his household. Paul and Silas remind us that even in dark times, that's especially when God's plan and purpose for us is to shine like stars, to be the witness that God wants us to be in the middle of this time. And of course, the greatest example is Jesus himself who went through the flogging, the beating, the ridicule, the crucifixion. But he did it with the spirit that the Father wanted him to have. That's why it says in Hebrews 12 and verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of, uh, perfecter of faith. Here's what he says about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Father, Father, we know that during this time, you've got a plan and a purpose for what you want us to do. Help us as your people to stay closely connected to Christ, 
Help us to continue to connect and to grow and to serve, to, to have the right attitude so that we can be your people that are shining light stars in the generation around us. And Father, help us to realize that we've got, we've got a reason to do this. We can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. We can see his example and we can be reminded of his sacrifice. Father, we thank you for his example, for his grace, for his mercy, for his willingness to give everything for us. Help us to live for him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.